0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Rewildology, the show all about conservation, travel, and rewilding the planet. I'm your host, Brooke Mitchell Norman, conservation biologist and adventure traveler. We all have a unique story full of pivotal moments, which makes exploring the human experience so fascinating. Some of us have had a life full of struggle, while others have gotten through relatively easily. No one knows why we experience what we do, but every step lays the foundation for who we become and the work we pursue. Today's guest, Carolina Powell, is the perfect combination of perseverance and determination. Being a first-generation Colombian-American, Carolina was raised by a single mother who immigrated to Miami, Florida, in the hopes of offering her daughter a better life. Like many of us in this field, Carolina first thought she was going to be a veterinarian until she worked with a vet whose values, or lack thereof, didn't align with her own. After interning in the Bronx Zoo's development department, she was introduced to the zoo conservation field and spent the next year doing everything she could to finally land a full-time zookeeping job. Her perseverance paid off, and she's now a primate keeper at the prestigious Smithsonian's National Zoo. Carolina is also a member of the leadership team for the newly formed AMZAP organization, whose mission is to build a sense of community amongst minorities currently working in the zoo field and to promote animal care and conservation careers as viable options for interested minorities. At the end of our conversation, Carolina informed me that she shared parts of her story that haven't been told before in other interviews, and I'm very excited to bring them to you today. If you'd like to connect with Carolina or become a member of AMZAP, please be sure to check out amzap.org. If you like this episode, please subscribe to the show and give it a rating and review wherever you're listening. If you'd like to join a community of other awesome conservation-minded folks, join the Rewildologist Community Facebook group by clicking the link in the show notes or searching for Rewildologist. All right, everyone, now onto my conversation with Carolina. All right. Thank you so much, Carolina, for coming on. I'm so excited to have you and talk about your story because it's definitely a unique one. And I know that a lot of people will really connect with your story. So I'm very excited to get into it. So on that note, let's start from square one. You have a very different childhood than I would say most people in the US do. So take me back in time. Where did you grow up and what was it like for you? (laughs)
1: <laughs> so, I was born in Miami, Florida, and um, we ended up, actually lived in Columbia for a little bit in South America, um, just for maybe like three years as a child, and then we went back to Florida, and then my mom and I moved to New Jersey. So, my mom raised me, a single mom, and also, in growing up in Florida, and South Florida, so Miami, everyone is a Spanish speaker for the most part. So life is very different there. So I think her moving up to New Jersey was a little bit difficult for her. And in a good way, she had to kind of learn English a little bit more. But regardless, I did most of my the translations for her or the interpreting for her. Um, so that, that was interesting. And I think um, stuff like applying for schools and um, I went to a high school that I had to apply for. Like I didn't go to my local high school. I mm-hmm. went to a tech school um, and I majored in like pre-engineering because at the time I wanted to be a vet. So it was kind of like, oh, math and science, that will help me. <laughs> yes, totally. um, yeah. So it was just uh, basically what I was saying. So colleges and applying for like financial aid and everything where more where people usually have guidance from their parents and other people that are like, yeah, do this, take out this loan or don't do this i was just kind of like doing it all on my own <laughs> and like asking her to sign things and translating for her the documents that i barely understood as well yeah. um so that was it for you know for the most part i mean obviously growing up was a lot harder i think than most people um just again as you can imagine she was working full time single mom i would come home from school and just like we lived we started out living in like a room basically so we didn't have an apartment a house or anything it was just kind of like go to your room and then wait for him to get home from school uh from work um so yeah it was a lot of that but eventually we were able to move into our own apartment with no other strangers living in the house and uh that was nice and I think it's it's important for people to know that I think a lot more people do go through that maybe than you would think um especially coming from like an immigrant family um it's definitely hard to to do that and on top of it my mom was also very strict which which makes sense you know only child and single mom so my social life as a kid was also very different there's a lot of things that I couldn't do um so it was a very Kind of like a sheltered life growing up, uh but you know we made it it's fine yeah.
0: <laughs> let let's explore that a little bit more um i because I really would love to learn i love I love hearing people's stories, like the why mm-hmm. people make decisions, so what brought your mom to the u s from Colombia? Why did she make such a scary leap
1: um I think she. Honestly, I think she just was vacationing when she was younger and liked it because it was before she had me or anything. And um, then she decided to stay. And when she did have me, I think that's when she was like, well, I, staying in the U.S. is going to give her much better opportunities than going back to Colombia. And I think she, yeah, I think she just stayed for me, basically. Yeah.
0: Mm. And how around how old was she um, when she had you?
1: Oh, when she had me, yeah. 35.
0: Oh wow, really? And how long? So how long has <laughs> she been in the U.S. at that point?
1: I want to say like ten years, but I don't quote me at that because I don't know for a fact.
0: Yeah, wow. <laughs> I'm wow. not 100 yeah.
1: sure. That's amazing. So yeah. Mm-hmm. But again, and- it's it's funny because a lot of people will often just be like, "Oh, you know, I don't understand how people that live in the U.S. don't know English," and I and I get what they're saying in a way but at the same time when you grow up or you live in a place like Miami Florida where you don't need to learn English at all she just didn't have to and she did go to school she did take uh she did like take English classes and stuff like that and she gets by and she works and all that um but it it obviously wasn't as necessary as it is when you move up north
0: (laughs) Mm, yeah absolutely so that three-year stint that you were down in Columbia, do you, do you remember that at all? I remember a little bit, mm.
1: like pre-K type oh. thing. I think I moved back to Florida like age four.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. And yeah, was it yeah. just to like meet family or was your mom considering moving back to Columbia?
1: <sighs> I honestly don't know. Oh. I don't remember. <laughs> I I don't know if I, I don't know. I have no idea. And at that point, my dad was in our lives as well. So my dad was around um up until we went back to Miami, Florida. And then he basically flew back to Colombia and just stayed there when I was like seven or so.
0: Mm, so your father's yeah. also Colombian then?
1: Yes, yes, yeah. Both okay, are Colombian. Mm-hmm. But they met in the US.
0: <laughs> oh, really? Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is so beautiful. <laughs> Oh, I guess that maybe Miami life just wasn't for him. Um, But wow. Yeah, so that that definitely sounds like a lot of back and forth and just maybe even like try to navigate like your identity through all of that, too, because you were Mm. raised American, but your family is very Colombian. Um, So, I mean, what was that like for you? Did you have, I mean, it sounds like you grew up in Miami a lot, so maybe you didn't have as much if you like grew up somewhere else but did you have any like identity issues with that kind of stuff or how, what was that like for you
1: honestly i don't think so so i stayed in miami till i was in like second grade so not that not that long mm-hmm. in the grand scheme of things um but no i think So where we moved, we moved to Inglewood, New Jersey, which is also heavily Colombian. (laughs) And it has also, yeah, and it has a lot of other minorities as well. So going to school, I think the biggest thing was more our social economic status that was kind of harder for me. Um, And like again I started out living we moved I lived with my aunt for a little bit and then I lived in a basement with my mom and then I lived in that house in a room in an attic and things like that where it's like you can't be like hey friends come over that like things like that were a little bit difficult but as far as identity no I I never you know I'm I'm Colombian Yeah, yeah I'm Colombian and then being raised in the U.S. but um that that was the hardest part I think just knowing that you know I had a a different life and even when I was like really young like when I first moved to New Jersey I was wearing hand me down clothing and I was wearing like the same sweater to school every day and you know things like that where people notice kids notice and they'd be like why are you wearing that? You know, like bullying a little bit. you that yesterday? Um, you know, those asshole kid yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So it was a little bit of that, um, that I had to like, again, navigate and struggle. But as our situation got better, obviously that got better. And then eventually I kind of came to be the person that I am where it's like a no nonsense don't take shit from anyone type of thing. But you so, love it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but Great. it was definitely a struggle at first.
0: <laughs> no, that's awesome. And I just asked that because um I've I've had the I'm so grateful where I've had that opportunity to talk to other people and sometimes I've met people that have like a true like identity, like they don't know they haven't quite figured mm-hmm. out exactly what their identity is. And so I really wanted just to explore that with you too. And cause I feel like we all sometimes just question things and, um, but it's just, oh my gosh, it's just so freaking awesome. This is great. So what <laughs> brought you guys to New Jersey, you and your mom? What was that? Cause that's a huge, I mean, that's a huge transition again, going from completely like different continents, you know, Columbia to Florida and now all the way up to New Jersey. We're like, hello, snow. Um, so what yeah. <laughs> brought you up there?
1: My aunt. So we had family on my dad's side. So my aunt and godmom lived and lives in Englewood, and we had cousins and all that. So I think my aunt was like, hey, you can probably get a job here. I think it was more like job opportunities and things like that. So she made the decision to come and we just, the two of us just moved up. And like I said, we stayed, we started out staying out with my aunt for a little bit and then eventually moved out and
0: that's it. Oh, that's awesome. That's exciting. Mm -hmm. So, so back to you. So, so then let's go to your educational stuff. And it sounds like you definitely had some more struggles that you, you worked through. So like you went to a tech school and, and you had to like Mm -hmm. apply all these things yourself. So what was that like, like trying to figure out just how to navigate all of this stuff without an adult figure? Did you have like a, a guidance counselor in any way or like a mentor of anything or did you just have to figure it out yourself what was that like
1: yeah um definitely a lot of figuring it out myself and like I would talk to my mom about it and my mom her biggest thing was like go to school you know go to school get an education be successful that has always been like the number one thing always been ingrained in my head um so in a way that was the like the guidance but as far as like signing like papers and reading stuff I would just like translate to the best of my abilities to her and then we'd like figure it out together um but that's it I mean not really I didn't have I had teachers that I liked and things like that but there wasn't anyone that I like a sole person that I would always go to um I think I've always just been very self-reliant. And I think because I was alone so much, it was just kind of like, well, that's the way it is. Like, you just got to do it. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, we just figured it out as I go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot to put on, like, you know, a young girl. So uh, it's amazing. But it, it because of that, though, you have this beautiful story of being triumphant through all of the stuff. So Let's get to your education because it sounds like this is something that your mom really instilled in you. Like she wanted the best for you. So yeah. take me through all of your educational everything. So you already kind of said a little bit that you like went to this tech school because you're going to be a veterinarian. So like, let's explore that. What did you end up studying and everything?
1: So, so yeah, so I always said I wanted to be a vet. I thought that was the only option. <laughs> I didn't realize all the other animal careers that were out there. So, um, I, I was looking at vet schools in middle school. So I've always been very, I don't know. I guess goal oriented and like focused. So I'm like, that's what I want. That's what I'm gonna get. So I started looking at vet schools in middle school, and I was like, cool. Uh, Michigan has schools. Cornell has school yeah, Penn State has (laughs) schools, So like, I was like, all right, cool. That's those are the ones that I got to look into Rutgers has animal science and pre vet stuff. So yeah, I knew that it was a lot of math and science. And I applied to this high school, Bergen Tech in Teterboro, and that had the pre engineering got into that, did a lot of math and science in there. And then I applied to Rutgers University in New Jersey for animal science. Um, It was in state, it was Not too close, but also not crazy far where I can still see my mom and commute back home. Um, So I went there. I got into Rutgers for animal science. And then during that span, I started working with a veterinarian in my hometown. And that's when I was like, "Uh, I don't think this is for me. And I think that was was hard for everyone. It was hard for me because I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And then my mom, I think, was, like, very disappointed because, again, that was, I think, like, the pinnacle. Like, you're going to be a doctor and, like, this is great. You're going to, you know, live the American dream and be successful. And then I'm like, mm, no, I don't want to do this. And What was it about it that you didn't like? But um, what, what
0: about being in that office changed your mind? It was a
1: specific vet. And I know not every vet is the same, but it was a private practice. It was super business oriented. He seemed to care, honestly, just about the money. Like it is like he lied about having a pet. Like he didn't have a pet, (laughs) like just like weird things like that. That I was like, I don't, I don't like this. And not only that, but I, I think I wanted to I don't know, work with bigger animals and do, I think I've always was attracted to wildlife, but I didn't know how to do it. So that's why I was like, Oh, maybe I can do like wildlife biologist. What does that even mean? I don't know what that is. (laughs) So it's like, that's what kind of got me thinking like, I don't want to do this every day like at all i don't want to i love cats and dogs and all that but i don't want to do this i want to do something bigger and work with like larger animals granted i know you can be a vet with students and stuff like that but it was just kind of like a eh, career change like i just want to <laughs> just switch it up and do something else so when i graduated records i was just floating by not knowing what i wanted to do um I was looking at careers. (laughs) No, no, she was not because you went to school, you were supposed to be successful and become a doctor. And now what? So it was not, not great. (laughs) Mm. I'm sure that was a very
0: turmoil, self soul searching time. Yeah. So then
1: what did you end up doing next? Um, so the summer after I graduated, I applied for an internship at the Bronx Zoo, but it was not with animals. It was in their development department. So it was like raising money (laughs) for the zoo and for, uh, the organization, which is a wildlife conservation society. And they do a ton, like all over the world. So they do a lot of great things. And I was like, okay, maybe I can do this. Maybe it's not working directly with animals, but I can still help them in some way by raising money this way and i get to still be in a zoo but you know i don't know this could be a way to help them i also thought about like um environmental policy Mm -hmm. and becoming like a lobbyist and or maybe i'll work for the epa like i had (laughs) so many things like i knew what i wanted i was like i want to help wildlife and animals but i don't really know how to do it (laughs) so these are all the things that like were coming across my mind um so after I left that the internship I still didn't know what I was going to do I got a certification basically I'm a certified animal control officer for New Jersey so I did that I went on the truck and like you know you pick up roadkill and you control (laughs) and you control like you like make sure, I mean, there are like animal abuse cases and things like that. And I was like, maybe I'll, in New Jersey, at least they have like a next step and you become like an animal cruelty investigator. And I was like, okay, I'll be like Ace Ventura, pet detective. (laughs) And like, maybe that's what I'll do. And I'm like, can I make a career out of this? And I think after like some like legit soul searching, I was like, no, I don't want to do this. Like I'm not, this is not for me. So I emailed the lady back The lead, not back. I emailed my old supervisor and I was like, hey, it's been like months at this point. Um, I feel like maybe even almost a year. And I was like, I want to work with animals. Can you get me in contact with any of the, anyone of the animal department at the zoo? And she also, like admin people at the zoos don't really know animal department people. It's just like a very different world. So she just gave me a list of curators at the Bronx and I emailed every single one of them um like hey i'm carolina i'd like to do anything can i help can i volunteer can i shadow and no one replied to me except for one person and she was the ornithology curator at the bronx zoo and she was like no we don't need anyone think so um and i was like so i responded and i was like well thank you so much uh is there any time that maybe i can come and meet you and talk about your career because at that point being a curator was appealing to me because i was like okay it's still a higher level position but it's in a zoo and i can work my way up and you know so she allowed me to come and talk to her and it was like the best day ever when i got that response i'm like cool this is my chance isn't is it and then um i spoke to her and at the end of that conversation she got me in contact with another curator at the central park zoo which is under the same organization and she also said i can come and help once a week with birds in her area and that was like i think my big my big non-paid break because then i started you know working um internships and volunteering all over new york and then until i finally got my job but mm. it was Definitely a, a struggle and a journey.
0: Yeah. So how long from that point? So you're you're finally starting to volunteer. You're getting mm-hmm. the work. Were you also had like another job that you were doing while yeah. you were volunteering? So okay, so I imagine then lots of hours of your week are spent trying yeah. to make it. So how long were you volunteering before you you landed your first job? Um
1: I started volunteering I want to say in 2013 and then I landed my I got a temp job in 2013 at the Queen's Zoo but it was only three months and it was like covering for someone that was on maternity leave and Mm. so she came back and I left (laughs) and then I went back to interning for about six months and I officially started working in 2014 so about a year year and a half which honestly in retrospect I feel like maybe it's not that long compared to what other people have gone through as far as like not getting jobs or only like getting seasonals and all that. Um, but it, during that year or year and a half, it was still a bunch of no's. So it seems longer when you're in it and it's like Absolutely. you're volunteering for a year, you know? Um, so I was working in retail. I was working um, at a liquor store. I worked I thought maybe like I was getting so, I guess, disappointed. I was like, well, maybe I can like volunteer and that will be like my fix for the zoo. But like I'll manage a store like something like stuff that I'm like, I can't believe I even thought about that (laughs) because no, I would never do that. (laughs) But it was a point where I'm like, am I just wasting my time and my money because I was just commuting every time? unpaid to New York City and it was like a two-hour commute with a bus and the subway That's a subway each way <laughs> yeah and plus then I have my mom being like what's going on like and you know the two of us are in our one-bedroom apartment and she's like this is what you went to school for you know mm-hmm. so it was a bad time it was it was rough but again we made it through. <laughs> what,
0: what got you through that then? Um, because I, I, a lot of people would have given up and understandably, but what kept you going?
1: Um, <sighs> I am a very determined person. <laughs> I have, I have, I think due to my upbringing where it was kind of, it's always been tough. I feel like I haven't had any other option but to be very positive and have a very idealistic outlook because it's kind of like well it doesn't get worse than this so you have to be happy because you can't like I feel like it's so easy to dwell in the negativity Mm. um so it was I've always been a big like Streamer and always looking ahead and always thinking that there's something better. There's something better. Like keep going. It's gonna get better. So honestly, I think it was a lot of that. It was just like my mindset, and I don't know how that started. Again, I I I'm convinced it's from that. It's from years of just having a harder upbringing. That it was just kind of like it's gonna get better. You know. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think that, and I think putting all my focus into that you know when people when you do have a plan b like i know there's like a saying about that like if you have a plan b you've already kind of like failed so it's like if you put like all your your energy into one goal i don't see how you can fail you know what Mm -hmm. i mean like i mean maybe it doesn't work like that for everyone but it's kind of like i was focused and this is what i want to do and I'm going to do it. Like, I'm just, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. So I, I'm just a very determined and I guess ambitious person.
0: (laughs) Yes. I mean, how many people will take multiple forms of public transportation, two hours, one way, just to go to a volunteer job because you know, what's going to eventually (laughs) materialize into the thing you want, like for a year. I mean, That's not Mm -hmm. a short amount of time. I mean, it's not that long, I know. But just like you said,
1: when you're in it, though,
0: like this is the longest goddamn year of my life. Mm -hmm. When is this going to end? Somebody please hire me.
1: (laughs) And like at that point, I was out of college for like maybe two years. So it's like even worse because I'm like, oh, my God, I graduated from college and I don't know what I'm doing. And I've been just not starting my career. Like I had it began my career. And it's hard to not see like, you know, social media and you see your friends that also graduated with you or other people that graduate and they're like super successful. Or so it appears to be, you know, and it's like here I am working my retail job with my bachelor's degree. <laughs> so that was a lot. That was hard too. Um just a lot of mental things that you like have to get through. But can even when I started. Yeah, yeah, no, thank you. I like even when I was interning. And, and when I got my job, I got an entry level job at the Maryland Zoo. But I felt like I was like, older, you know, like I was like, I, I'm late to this, or a lot of people, where if they know what they want to do, or if they even if they knew right after they graduated, you can volunteer and get internships while you're in college or right after, like, like hands on animal stuff. And that always helps. To succeed, so I I feel like I started two years after I graduated college on this career path, and then I was like, I'm like 27, just like interning at a zoo, where you get people that are like 22 and fresh out of college, and like they're getting full time jobs. So I, that kind of was also like, all right, I'm late in the game, but I'm gonna do it. So I feel like there was a lot of things that were on my mind. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, because I interviewed uh, Johnny Payne on here, and she had a very similar story too. Like, mm. just finding the zookeeping field late and ha- having to go through that as well, and how long yeah. it took her to land a job. Because um, she's like switched her major, like, you know, midway through college, and like, oh my God, this mm. is what I want to do. I need to switch everything, my entire plan up until now to make this work. And so, um, yeah. I've definitely heard that more than once, but it's all good because look, you are got this full-time awesome job. So what was your first, what was the first role that you, that you landed and how did you get that?
1: So I got first full-time permanent position was at the Maryland Zoo in Baltimore and it was called a Keeper 2. It is now called a Release Keeper. So the job was, so I guess let me backtrack a little bit. (laughs) So I was, I started working at Macy's (laughs) in their beauty department. And I was like, this is cool. I get discounts. And then I got the call saying that I got the job. Well, I applied, sorry, obviously. And I went to interview and my now husband, but he was my boyfriend then. Drove me to Baltimore because I didn't have a car. So we drove. It was a one-day trip, three hours to Baltimore. Wow. Interview in person. Because the lady was like, the HR person was like, oh, you can do it over the phone or you can come in person. I was like, oh, I'm going. So <laughs> we went. Awesome. We went in person. Yeah, he drove me. I did my interview. And then um, we ate in the National Harbor and then or came back to New Jersey. Um, and then the next day, I think it was my mom's birthday, I got the call and they were like, all right, we'd like to offer you a job. And the job was like giraffe feeding station. So it was making sure people aren't like petting the giraffe and the goat corral, making sure people are not feeding the goats, um, just brushing them and helping out in the different areas. And I was like, oh god. I don't know like I don't know what to do because I didn't actually think I was gonna get it I guess <laughs> I was like oh crap like I have to move and my mom was like sitting there when I was like taking the phone call and I was like uh am I excited am and, I not mom <laughs> and yeah so I think I feel like I told the, the HR lady that I don't know but I said can I call you back like can I like have some time to think about this and then give you a response and they're like yeah how long do you need and I think I was like something crazy like two weeks or something like that because I had also applied for a job at the place where I was interning in Brooklyn so I was like well if I get that job I don't have to move it'll just be Mm -hmm. super duper easy and I'll just stay where I am so she's like yeah I can't wait two weeks I'm like okay a few days so I thought about it I interviewed at the for the job in Brooklyn I think I bombed that interview (laughs) in Brooklyn (laughs) and I think I told my mom even before they even told me I was like I think I'm gonna get it and I asked the question I asked like on Facebook to like the zookeeping page and other keepers that were with me in Brooklyn and people were like go go to Maryland it's a great zoo you'll love it just go 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 so I was like all right, I'm gonna do it. And then um, I went, I moved in with a roommate that I met the day I moved in. <laughs> the two of like, yeah, she was also in the same position, like brand new. Um, just getting in there. We're like, all right, we'd like skyped for a little bit, make sure none of it, neither of us are crazy. And then <laughs> we met the day we moved in. Again, my boyfriend at the time, drove me down with some furniture and that was it. Um and moving in again, I moved to Baltimore without a car. So and I told my roommate that. So luckily we she and I were able to carpool. So she would just drive me to work. Um when on the days that she worked. And then on the day she was off, I was just taking public transportation. I only lived like four miles from the zoo. Oh public like- transportation took me like an hour and a half. Oh my god, it was are you the most ridiculous thing on earth. I don't understand why. (laughs) You poor thing. Oh my gosh. (gasps) So it, it was, I took the bus one day for my orientation and like Baltimore has areas that are the hood basically. And it's a different hood. I always say it's a different hood than New York city hood. (laughs) So (laughs) I, I just got off and I was just like, all right, we're gonna just walk through here, and I mean, everything was fine, but it was definitely scary for me. Um, Absolutely, and it was a long walk. <laughs> um, and then, and I'm like a pro, like public transportation user from being in New Jersey and New York, but this was not, not it, not the same. And. Another time I got lost, I just took the wrong bus. And it again, just dropped me off in the morning. So I called a taxi and the taxi took me to my job in the morning to work. And I was like, oh, this is the worst thing ever. (laughs) So eventually other keepers found out like where I lived. And a lot of them, luckily it was an area that people drove by all the time. So some people started helping me out, which I like, forever grateful for because they I didn't often have to take the bus anymore and like between all the different people I was able to get to and from work but it was a fiasco (laughs) Um, wow but yeah
0: so how long were you at that first job
1: um about five years five years um so it was that position for about a year and then I got promoted to the primate position. So that's when I worked with the chimps and lemurs and monkeys and all that. Mm. And I, I loved it. Well, like, yeah, <laughs> I, <is> it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 And even I mean, even being a keeper too, just being in a zoo of that size, because the other zoos where I was, besides the Bronx, which is only with the birds though, all the animals were really small. So I was like, I get to feed a giraffe like this is the greatest thing ever like I every time I would see a new animal I was like like this is a rhino (laughs) I I get to feed a rhino or touch a rhino and it was just like every time like I would help in a new area and I'd be like this is the best (laughs) Um, yeah no and and I am super grateful to the Maryland Zoo and all the staff there um, and even keepers just because it was just They gave me the opportunity, and like, it's it was such a hard thing to do. And thinking that I would never get there, and having that happen, and then getting my chimp position, which is even a bigger step. Like now, you're like a real keeper, like full time, like dangerous animals. That was like a big, big deal for me.
0: Mm. And during this time. Were you doing long distance with your boyfriend or did he move to Baltimore? Or how that worked? He, he,
1: he moved to Baltimore um a year, about a year later after I moved. And then um and then we got engaged and then we got married. <laughs> we got married in 2018. But yeah, so and I, it's funny, I told him I was like, don't come down here. Like because he he had just graduated with his master's degree and and he was doing a lot of stuff in hospitals in New York City and I was like you know like do your thing like get your career um like don't worry about coming here like I I think I was fine with it I guess I think it bothered him more I think he Mm. really wanted to be closer um and I very much appreciate that because again like having him closer we were able to do so many other things and I got my first car with him because of him and you know that that really changed things a lot too so Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah he was like yeah 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 definitely a huge part of everything and helping me get to where I am and helping me move and driving me places because he had to drive me everywhere because I didn't have a car and at one point I didn't have a license either or know how to drive and I was terrified of getting on the highway and yeah. um so yeah he was a huge support system for me
0: <laughs> wow yeah he sounds like an amazing guy
1: awesome Um great yes, very lucky <laughs> so
0: I'm assuming that you said you were there for five years so that Clearly is not where you are now, mm-hmm. correct? So then what was the next step in your journey? What did you do next? So
1: I I wanted to do more. I always wanted to do more. <laughs> um, and I felt that I couldn't do that, unfortunately, at the at the zoo where I was, um, mainly just because of just the lack of resources. It's so hard for zoos. Um, you know, they don't have, they have such a limited amount of funding and obviously it all goes to animal care. So it's hard to do like the professional development. Like I really wanted to grow professionally and move up and you know, take courses and attend uh, conferences. And I just wanted to do everything. And I knew that it was a lot harder to do it there. So I applied to the National Zoo, uh, Smithsonian's National Zoo in D.C. And I was, again, very fortunate that I got that job. And I've been there now for about two years and also loving it. Same thing. Super grateful for, for the staff and for the people that hired me and gave mm-hmm. me the opportunity to be there. That's
0: mm-hmm. awesome. And what exactly do you do? Are you doing a similar role or, or what's your, what, what do you do?
1: Yeah, so I am a keeper there as well. So a uh, primate keeper. So instead of chimps, um, I have gorillas and orangutans. And then we also have other monkeys and lemurs and simings. Um, So I'm still in the training process because i'm still new and covid kind of put like a halt Mm. to some training and everything but um almost there almost completely done with everything that would be under my responsibility and it's been great it's been awesome to see the different apes and the different species and how they differ and how they how similar they are and um i love training and training animals new behaviors or getting animals to come out of their shell and and behave a certain way has been is always like the best part of my job and the highlight mm. of my job yeah
0: i bet and i bet that zoo just me knowing it very well i'm sure that from a conservation standpoint that there's a lot that goes on and i'm sure so many projects that are supported through the national zoo i'm sure th- i'm sure that was yeah. probably really cool difference for you going from a smaller zoo to a bigger zoo where that is yeah. one of their missions is to support as many projects I as mean, yeah. I'm not, I don't know all the things that they support, right. but I'm sure it's quite extensive.
1: <laughs> yeah. I think because we are federally funded for one, and then such a well-known institution, like it's Smithsonian, everyone is Smithsonian. Um, they have a lot of resources uh, for conservation, but also for, you know, staff growth and professional development and that that was like a huge uh allure for me also they pay better because they're federally funded I am a federal employee I get all these benefits and the the pay increase was pretty big so that was also uh very nice for me (laughs) to have um yeah yeah It's unfortunate how, how little zookeepers make. It's it's sad.
0: (laughs) Yep. That's one of the reasons why I had to leave the field. It's like, huh? Yeah. So I'm never going to pay back my student loans on this. All right. All right. I I need to, I need, I need to rethink my life. (laughs) And so I did that. It's unfortunate.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people do it. A lot of people will do it for a little bit and they're like, I can't do this forever. You know, it's, it's sad. Yeah.
0: Mm, Yeah. See, that so many times. I mean, hopefully, hopefully that'll change. I'm not quite sure what model needs to change for that to happen. I haven't really like sat down and thought about, you know, fixing the Mm -hmm. world. There's so many things to focus on. Um, But I mean, even yesterday, um, I was talking with this amazing executive director of a nonprofit and she was talking significantly about that, about how little pay there is in the nonprofit sector. And yet, the nonprofit sector is fixing some of the biggest issues that there are on this planet and um, zoos, no matter how, what somebody feels about them, they are some of the biggest conservation organizations there are. And for how little pay that for the amount of impact that a lot of zoos do for the little pay that is given to the staff is just, I just wish there was another way that we could tackle that in some way. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Um, I'm definitely not in development or or like in a business in any way, shape, or form uh, when it comes to like the zoo world. But I can just see that as an as a big need and how right. you know the quality of everything. I mean, just I mean when it's better pay, then everything's better for in every way. So um, I mean, maybe we'll see that. Hopefully, one day that that'll change. And so it's just great to hear that you were able to land a much better job Um, by sticking it out. and probably eating a whole bunch of like craft mac and cheese (laughs) and peanut butter and jellies in the meantime.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a process, but yeah, it's definitely something that needs to change for, yeah, it's just, it's hard. And like, that's, I think the low pay is also prevents a lot of people from wanting to be keepers. So people leave, but also people don't want to apply or don't want to work as a keeper because who wants to make, you know, minimum wage or a little bit above minimum wage. And it's just, it's difficult. Yeah. And I think that absolutely also affects like diversity and, you know, with AMZEP, we've talked about it a lot. Um, and also the fact that zoos don't offer paid internships or even a stipend, like I, I always said, it, I'm like, can I get, like, anything for just the bus and the train? Like, I'm not asking for any other money. Just cover my commute so I can, like, live. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, I
0: completely agree. Yeah, I, I went through all those unpaid internships, and that's, my student loan debt is not little. We will just say that yeah. because you have yeah. to work full-time, essentially. Yep in these unpaid internships and to cover some of them, at least in my story, I mean, I took out loans or, um, because I wanted to do it so bad. And I mean, it is what it is. Like that's part of my story and why I love talking about it and just, um, just hoping that more and more people, they can make a more educated decision on, on maybe what can you do to get that experience? Um, but also not put yourself in a bad financial situation and also, the more we talk about it, you know, be like, hey, at least pay something, even if that yeah. means that um, might have to do an extra round of funding or like fundraising or something just to make it more accessible. I mean, I, I couldn't I when I was interning, I easily had two other jobs just to make ends meet. Right. Um, and that was on top of the student loans that I was helping to make the other ends meet. But and it's all too common in our field that that's the story. And then you're like, okay, finally, I graduated. Now I can get this job where I don't make much money and I'm just going to owe student loans for the rest of my life. Yeah. Okay. Solid. (laughs) I guess that's my life. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think all zookeepers that, you know, we all do it for, for the love of it and for Mm -hmm. the passion behind the work. Um, So like a lot of people will do it, but I feel like that can only last so long. Not only that, Zookeeping is also physically taxing, depending it's on, hard, yeah. you know, what animals you're working with. It's, it's gonna, your body's gonna give out. And then what? <laughs> then what are you yeah. gonna do?
0: Yeah, so. yeah, that's a really good point. Um, Especially for people who might not be in the field. I mean, because you think mm-hmm. of like, you know, outdoor labor jobs as you know, those are like the hard jobs and zookeeping is an outdoor labor job. Like it is yeah. not easy because I interned as well in the Asia Quest area for the Columbus Zoo, and that's with Ooh. pachyderms. So you no, know, your elephants, your rhinos, okay. and then um, some other internships that I did too with other big, large animals. And I mean, it's tough. It is hard, and yeah. you smell like shit every single day. Yeah, and-
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> but it's fun. Um, yeah. We were all raunchy as hell. Said some <laughs> super inappropriate things that I cannot repeat, even on this podcast where we say whatever we want. <laughs> There's some things we just don't need to put yeah.
1: out there in
0: public, but yeah, um, but it's fun. But
1: it's fun, yeah. I mean, I still love it, you know, absolutely, absolutely love yeah. it, <laughs>
0: absolutely.
1: yeah. Wouldn't want to do anything else, yeah, yeah. And
0: that's great. And I'm just, it's so great to hear those like success stories where you are still doing it because I've met so many people Mm -hmm. that they just aren't anymore, you know, Mm -hmm. um, for reasons, for reasons, they're just not. Um, so it's just so great to hear that you still are. So let's, let's shift a little bit now. Um, so let's talk about AMZAP. What is this organization and what is its goal? Everything's I love this. I, I love everything about it. I was like, Oh my God, I need to have somebody on. Yes
1: so (laughs) AMZEP so so it's the Association of Minority Zoo and Aquarium Professionals and AMZEP is just the easiest thing to say (laughs) because it's (laughs) such a long name Um, but it is basically a brand new organization where uh, ethnic and racial minorities can kind of from the field from the, the zoo field can kind of come together and it's for networking so it's for you know seeing each other and realizing that we're not alone. there's, there's more of us out there. Um, it's we have a, a mission and a goal for outreach. We want to get more of us into the field. We want to get kids interested and know that show them that they can do it too. Like let them see people that look like them and sound like them and realize like oh that is an option for me too. I can do that. Um, it's we want to we basically want to do outreach at all the levels. We also want to get the representation from all the facilities that exist right now. So, you know, we've been doing on Facebook kind of like these posts every day and it kind of highlights a new member and people love that people, it kind of shows people, it highlights the fact that there is diversity. There's some diversity, um, and it kind of, I think that's like such an easy way for, for zoos to show their support. And it's just by, one, supporting us. And then, two, showcasing these faces and allowing others to see that, you know, that we, we are out here. Um, and then we also do mentoring. So, and that's kind of where my my field is. It's uh, mentorship and helping Kids and students and people that left the field but want to get back in, just get, you know, know how to get into the field or sometimes they just want to talk to other people just for guidance or just tell their stories and and chat and just get to know other people that are like them that are in this field and it's not just zookeepers you know we have veterinarians we have directors vet techs we have media people and it's like all over we have everything um and it's it's been great to to see all the support that we've been getting um so far and we just started officially in february so
0: it's been amazing to watch we have a lot yeah thank you mm-hmm. so yeah. how how did you? become a part of it because I mean like you're all like on the leadership page and everything so what was that (laughs) process like for you were you part of the idea like how did it come to be and and how did you make this organization and then also too what do you hope to accomplish being a part of this really cool organization
1: um, yeah, so Craig, who is kind of like the the mastermind behind it, he, I think, always wanted to do something like this. But I think he there I don't know if he just wasn't sure how to go about it, or just hadn't talked to people yet. He, it was just like always an idea that it's like, I want to do this, I want to do this. So one day, he literally just came to me and was like, Hey, He basically was like, you're a minority, right? I was like, yeah. (laughs) Um, um, And we just were talking and he pitched the idea. He was like, I want to, what do you think of this group? I want to do this group and this organization. And I want to, you know, just develop this and have people know that we're, we're here. And like, what do you think? And I'm like, that's an awesome idea. Like, absolutely. Because. I mean, when I was at Maryland for a long time, I was the only Latina keeper, like in that department, you know? Um, So it's very, it's very rare to see minorities as keepers specifically. Um, And that was his idea um, because he, he was telling a story and he'll probably, he can probably tell it better, but where he went to a conference, I believe, and he saw a black man, And his own prejudice, and Craig is black as well, and his own prejudice was like, oh, he's probably like, you know, maintenance or something. And then he comes and he starts training the lion. And Craig's like, oh, snap, you're a keeper. You're a black guy. You're a keeper. (laughs) And he talked to him. And I think that was the thing where he's like, I don't want that to be the thing when people see minorities at at a zoo. You know, I don't Mm -hmm. want that to be the, the first thought. So, um, it was kind of like, how do we get more people that are in that science basically field, um, and how, how can we get to know each other? Because a lot of times people think that they're the only ones, you know, because you don't know if, I, I don't know who works in Arkansas or in Idaho and then. With this, it kind of, it's this network that kind of shows us that we're all here. And it's such an, it's been such an easy way to connect with people now. And we actually have in two hours, we have an icebreaker, our second icebreaker. So it's cool because then you see, you like log on and you see all these faces and it's people from all backgrounds. And it's amazing to see like how like it's just crazy that it's grown as much as it has. So so anyway, so yeah, so he came to me with the idea. And originally he was like, I thought I was gonna do like something for just black keepers But then, you know, his best friend Juan, who's also on our leadership, he's Puerto Rican. He was like, But but what about Juan? Like we want to represent everyone. So he was like, Well, maybe I'll just get something that represents Everyone. So we have our Asian representative as well. And then um, we have Native American and we have um, just all over, like everything. Um, And we just kind of just would get together and he wrote a piece of paper and was like, what do you think of this? And like gave it to me, and like I edited it for him and I showed my husband and he was like, yeah, change this. And like, we kind of just like all worked together and he went ahead he got a website and he got the ball rolling by talking to Smithsonian like the top you know management positions wow. and pitching pitching the group to them and you know Smithsonian was officially the first support organization which was huge because it's regardless of the fact that we work there it's still the Smithsonian saying it's yes it's the Smithsonian like please. yeah <laughs> yeah it's awesome. so that was such a big thing And I think after that, all the other zoos kept coming in and supporting and then... We had like Disney, which is a big thing for me because I love Disney, and I was like, "Oh my god, Disney supporting us! This yeah. is amazing!" Um, and then AZA, which is you know the Association of Zoos and Aquariums, they gave us their backing, and I was like, "This is like really big. This is so legit it's just now. it's been growing." <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like we're legit. Like this literally just started with like, "What do you think?" And I was like, "Yeah, let's do, let's do it!" And then it just like snowballed into this giant thing which is fantastic, you know, it's, it's great. And we hope that it will continue to grow. And we've already seen so much besides just like the, the verbal support and the social media support. We've also had organizations like give us scholarships basically for our members to attend a conference or like virtual things and, or become a member. So that is huge because a wow. lot of times all those a lot of those memberships cost money (laughs) yeah so it's like it's awesome and like we basically just send out an application to our members and they apply and we vote on it and they get to like go we just i think had two recipients for the azac conference that's coming up in september it's virtual but still it's like stuff that you that's like three hundred and that's like three hundred dollars that the zoo that you work for or you didn't have to spend because right. this organization was nice enough to to give it to us um, through amzap so it's just been like little things like that have been awesome, fantastic to see um, we've also through mentorship we've also had I have about I want to say like 15 matches. So I've, where I've been, been able to pair people up with keepers or veterinarians or whatever. And then two of those have gotten full-time jobs. Oh my God. And like just a little bit of time. So it's been, it's been awesome. It's been awesome to see like actual tangible things that are happening through the organization. Oh my gosh. Oh, that's
0: just, me so <laughs> just hearing everything has come from that yeah. already. That's so beautiful. Yeah. And, and you yeah. personally, what do you hope to accomplish through your leadership role in this new
1: organization? Oh, gosh. I don't know. <laughs> I, I want to keep, obviously keep doing it. Our, I think my Ultimate goal, and I think it's not just my goal. I think it's all of our goals is to be able to have a paid internship for someone. Like if we can like make that happen, or even have like an annual scholarship or something that is like ANZAP scholarship, paid internship, stipend internship, something. I think that would be awesome. I think it's not anywhere in our near future, uh, but I think that's like our our long term goal Mm. would be able to do something like that and. I love helping people and I love being able to help them succeed. And if I can inspire someone, um, then awesome. So I'm, I'm very happy with my role because I I love meeting people and like just talking to them and, and kind of giving them my advice, especially because it was so hard for me. I think it's like a good way to be like, you can do it too. Like if I did it, you absolutely can do it. Let's help you get there and, you know, set people up for success.
0: Mm. And that's another reason why I'm so excited to sit down with you, because now, like we've recorded your story right now, like (laughs) we're recording it and just imagine the lives that it could touch. I mean, there might be a little girl that has a very similar story to you that has no idea where to even begin or. She sees you, and she's like, "Oh, look at beautiful Carolina!" And I just, I want to follow her. How do, how do I follow her? So, um, heck yeah, a girl, you are awesome. You're freaking awesome.
1: <laughs> Thank you. So, so,
0: what are what are the rules? Or I. Or how does someone become a member of this organization? Do they have to already be a zookeeper? Do they are they need to be in school? Do they just need to have some interest? Is, are there rules on what their ethnicity is? Like, how does somebody become a member and how and support AMSA?
1: So we have currently two membership levels. So we have a professional membership and then we have like an affiliate membership. So for the professional, you do have to be currently employed. You don't have to be a Mm. keeper, but you do have to be employed currently by an accredited zoo. Um, So we just, the biggest thing is we just want to make sure that we're not um, kind of getting like tiger King, like roadside, like Mm -hmm. that type of thing. We just want to make sure that you're working for a good zoo and that, as you enter the network, you also will be, I might ask you to be a mentor, you know? And I don't, we don't want someone to mentor that is not coming from like a reputable zoo or a good facility. So that's that's the biggest thing with that. So smart. Um, Yeah. Uh, But no, we don't have any restrictions at all. Um, No racial restrictions or anything anyone can join. Um, Obviously like our focus is racial diversity and ethnic diversity but we also have white members we even have um our communications director is a white woman so she and she's done fantastic things for us like she is like our tech support communication person katie i think she reached out to you
0: (laughs) yeah she did she shared one of her analogies posted today i'm like i'm talking to carolina Today.
1: She's like, <laughs> So like, yeah. posted so <laughs> she has been like monumental to everything that we've done. <laughs> she has helped Craig with so much stuff, and it just helped us, and just is fantastic. And I don't know how she does it. So <laughs> she, she, and she's a member, and she's a steering committee member on top of that. So yeah, we're we're open to everyone. And then as far as being a student or wanting to get into the field, then most likely you would be under the affiliate member. And that way we can kind of help you and guide you um, to to where you want to be. And it's it's different because one, yeah, you're there for support, but also when you're a professional member, then you have the opportunities that I just mentioned where you have like you can apply for a scholarship for for a conference or you can network and it's just different, different little programs, I guess you can say. And even mentoring is like a way to get professional development as well. Oh, yeah, like,
0: absolutely.
1: You know, becoming a mentor. So it's just different facets, I guess, to, to the two memberships. Yeah.
0: So let's say that um, somebody is listening to this who maybe they're not um, in like the zoo or aquarium field, but they would love to participate in some way. Maybe they have an organization or they mm-hmm. just have a strong passion for this, but maybe their career is in something else. Is there a way that they can support um the Yeah, I think
1: yeah. So we've gotten a lot of universities to like come to us and mm-hmm. I think we have some vet schools as well and kind of just being like how can we help and we've had people like organizations like honestly the easiest thing would be like sharing posts putting our website on your own website like things like that just giving us visibility um there is also a section on our page for support organizations so if it's an organization um where whether it's a university or us an elementary school or an other just organization completely um i think we can have we'll list them there and mm. they it kind of helps them as well because it's like oh what's this organ and you can click and it's like a link to their page and all that um but yeah, and usually you, there's, if you just email Amzep, like there's like a general email for there with whatever question about how to support, um, usually it's Craig, we'll get back <laughs> to you. They'll get back to you and like, um, see, we, we love the support. So we're always like looking for ways to have, you know, others help, but, um, I think being able to especially for colleges it's so important to have colleges because that's the critical time when people are deciding what they want to do <laughs> so being able to do that um we also have a job board on our page mm. which is super great because it also helps the zoos and we'll just be like, look these are all the zoos or facilities that are hiring and then it's kind of like we help each other
0: <laughs> talk about direct marketing like you can't get more pinpointed to the group of people you want than your organization having a job board.
1: That is a super win-win. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's just, oh, yeah. It helps our people that are looking to apply and then it also helps your facility. If you're looking for people, if you're looking for more, more diversity, this is it.
0: <laughs> this is literally where do you need to go?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's
0: fantastic. Yes. No, thanks for that. Thanks for that. Because I mean, obviously I want to support in any, any way I can. And even mm-hmm. though I'm no longer in Zoos and Aquariums, you know, sharing your stories and then any other way that I can help in my platform more than happy to. And I'm sure there's yeah, other people thank you. Um, that listen to this that are in other creative ways they could support mm-hmm. as well. So I really wanted to make sure there was an opportunity to talk about that. Um, because sometimes when you just see that it's like, Oh, but, man, I'm not, I'm not a zookeeper or I'm not an like, Yeah. but I would love to help. How can I do that? And so
1: yes. honestly, yeah, just like I said, like just sharing stuff, like it's super like people, it's just visibility, you know, Just getting mm-hmm. people to see that we exist even is super helpful. Yeah. Yes.
0: Yes. That's awesome. Yeah. And of course anyone ask any questions and you know me, I'm like on social media way too much. I say, like I told you earlier, I'm like, I become like a social media manager, director thing too. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, way to help online, you know, I'm more than happy to help with that as well. So awesome. But that was great. Let's, let's, let's shift back to you a little bit and, and let's, let's dive a little bit more into your story. So, um, you've been through so much and I know that we've only barely scratched the surface. If we were having a happy hour, we'd probably go real deep. Um, but what would you say and and your story so far has been like your biggest struggle? And how did you overcome that? Or if you're currently going through one and how are you working through that?
1: Um I think I'm trying to think. I think the biggest struggle was probably during that time where It was just, you know, dealing with knowing that my mom probably could use monetary help and knowing that I kind of was just potentially wasting time by following this dream that I didn't even know that was going to happen. I think that was really hard to like, I would come home and like cry and just be like, am I wasting my time? Like, you know, um. that was that was rough I think that was like super hard when I first moved to Baltimore and all the bills started hitting and I Mm -hmm. hadn't gotten my first paycheck yet that was hard I called my mom crying and I was like I need money and like knowing that my mom doesn't have much money to start with and then I was just calling her being like I don't know what I want to do. And she like she was like, Yeah, I'll lend you the money. Like, that's totally fine. And I was like, really? And like that just like oh that that was rough. Like I was like in the bathroom at work, just like crying because I was like, I don't know how I'm gonna pay all these bills. And like I'm by myself in this state. And yeah, I that was those were hard times, but we've <laughs> we've overcome them. <laughs> we've yeah. gotten past those, but that, that was hard.
0: Mm. Yeah. And that's, that's, the, all, that's why I always love asking that question because especially if maybe someone listening is going through something really hard right now, but to hear mm-hmm. that, like you made it through that, and that sometimes you got to cry in the bathroom, <laughs> but it's okay. Like, you will make it through <laughs> yeah. as well. Um, and on, well, I guess on the flip side of that too, When do you think you'll have made it? Like, what is your definition of success? And when do you think you'll reach
1: that? I I think I'm making it right now. I don't think I've made it, but I think I'm making it. (laughs) I think being where I am has, honestly, even just uh, with ANZEP, like, I think it just opened up a bunch of doors that I didn't have before. So again, I'm like extremely grateful that Craig was just randomly like, Hey you, you know, cause he could have picked any other minority, <laughs> you know? And like the fact that he came up to me and I was like, yeah, let's do it. And that I think has opened up so many doors. So being in Smithsonian and being a primate keeper at Smithsonian has been fantastic. And that was like, a thing that I never thought would happen either because it's a super difficult zoo to get into. Um so being able to get into that position was amazing. And now having this on the side as well or on top of it, I think just makes me feel like I'm making a difference and and being successful. And that's that's really all I want. I don't I don't like I don't like to feel stagnant and I don't I want to know that I'm always accomplishing something and I want some I want to have something to show you know like you've worked here for how long what have you done I don't want it to be like oh, I just want to work every day I wanted I did this I made a difference I accomplished this and this I think is a huge thing <laughs> and I am incredibly proud to be part of the organization and part of the leadership and just being able to have helped found it and you know hopefully take it as far as it will go. Um but yeah I'm always looking ahead and always looking to to do more. I always want to do more.
0: <laughs> and you will. With that kind of drive girl <laughs> you're yeah. gonna like change the freaking world. Hell yeah. That
1: was awesome <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So thank you.
0: Also on that note too what what advice do you have for anyone listening? <laughs>
1: Um, so I said this, I had an interview last week, um, and I said this here, but it was one, celebrate the small wins. So even if it's, you know, you have a keeper two position and you're just like feeding go or feeding the giraffe or something, it's still something, you know, and like that be grateful for everything. You know, I think gratitude Changes your life in so many ways. Like, if you focus on all the negatives, your life is going to be negative. You have to be positive. You have to be grateful for what you have, even if it's a little bit. You have to, like, yes, this is an opportunity that you didn't have before. Also, something that I feel like I always do is if I am given an opportunity or asked for, like, to participate in something, I always say yes. I don't necessarily know if that's the greatest advice for other people, but for me, it's like why not? Yes, like I use you know for me, I'm like you said you wanted to do more. This is more. Do it. <laughs> like do you, I've in this year, I, I want to say since I started working at Smithsonian, I have done so many talks and like presentations and just talking to universities and classes and things like that. And this is like that's something that I potentially would not have been able to do as much as my other zoo um but it also helps me grow it also helps me know what works what doesn't work um I gave a presentation in Spanish again thanks to Katie she <laughs> through azac and it was to um a bunch of keepers from Latin America and that was awesome I'm wow. like I would have never thought I could have done that and I it was like a full blown PowerPoint presentation on ape training all in Spanish and I sent it to my mom, I'm like, what do you think? And she was like, this is great, but you need to change this and this and this. (laughs) It's like (laughs) grammatical things. I'm like, okay, cool. Thanks, Mom. (laughs) But yeah, it's just I've gotten so many opportunities. And it's literally because I say yes to everything. (laughs) I'm just like, yep, yep, I'll do it. Yep. Cause I always want to continue to grow and learn and, you know, that professional development. That's that's literally where it is. And then the more people get to know you and you get to see and do things it's just like it's just gonna help you in the in the long run so that is
0: fantastic <laughs> advice oh my gosh yes thanks i say the exact same thing It's like because you don't know what door is opening unless yeah. like unless your gut is telling you no like unless yeah, you feel yeah. deep down inside like i shouldn't do this yeah. if that feeling isn't there just always say yes because there is a door that is possibly opening that might be to something that you you could have never imagined in your life. And if you're saying no, exactly. that whole possible life path is shut off. So yeah. yeah, completely agree with that. That is so good. That's so good.
1: Yeah.
0: Awesome. Well, l- I think that I've taken up so much of your time now, and I've been so <laughs> grateful for you giving me all of your life story and sharing so much about Amzap. So if anybody wants to get a hold of you or or the organization, what is the best way for somebody to go about that?
1: Yeah, so literally, if you guys just go, if they go on the website, um, you can just shoot an email there. I think there's a link on all of our profiles to like contact us. So you can do it that way as well. Um, I have a LinkedIn, and I think it's just my name, Carolina Powell, I think will <laughs> just pop up there. <laughs> um Yeah, I think just Amzap is probably the best and easiest way to do it. And we get all the emails and we'll see them. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's awesome. And uh, and of course, as I always say, if anybody reaches out, I'll make sure they get in touch with you. Because there might be someone out there that would really love your mentorship. Because I'm sure you're a great mentor. It would be (laughs) wonderful to have someone like you for sure in in everyone's lives. So, but yeah. Thank you so much for coming on, Carolina. I cannot wait to share
1: your story with everybody. (laughs) Thank you for having me. Thank you.
0: Hey, thanks again for listening to this episode of Rewildology. If you like what you heard, hit that subscribe button to never miss a future episode. Do you have a cool environmental organization, travel, story, or research that you'd like to share? Let me know at rewildology.com. Until next time, friends, together we will rewild the planet.